0: This is Agri-Futures On Air, brought to you by Agri-Futures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture.
1: Hello and welcome to Agri-Futures On Air, I'm Jan Cuddihy. The Agri-Futures Australia Horizon Scholarship Program is an incredible opportunity for full-time students at an Australian university to immerse themselves in our rural industries. In partnership with industry sponsors, the scholarship includes a bursary, professional development workshops, annual industry work placements and opportunities to network and gain knowledge at a range of industry events. Marie Kholsha, though everyone calls her Maz, was like a kid in a lolly shop when she received her scholarship. Having grown up around Albury and New South Wales and almost finishing up her agricultural degree, Maz has discovered that she is deeply passionate about a sustainable wild camel industry, also for the amazing potential of hemp and the development of a native bee industry. This is her story of navigating a new direction in her career choices after utilising the full potential of her Horizon Scholarship.
0: Yeah, so I was actually born in Germany, so both my parents grew up on dairy farms there and then we moved to Australia when I was six um, and we just bought a bit of a hobby farm So I grew up with goats, just some pet goats, and I was or used to be very horsey, but we also just had crops, which I never really had much to do with. But, yeah, I loved, 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 loved animals, loved horses, Um, and I did agriculture at school, um, and I really enjoyed it as well.
1: That's awesome. Do you remember the move from Germany as a kid?
0: I only remember it, I think, because we actually had, like, a film crew follower so there was a show in Germany at the time that followed people moving to other countries and they paid for a shipping container so we got it's actually quite a nice memory like having a bit of a a bit of a movie like a documentary style style movie about the move that's amazing so yeah that's why I feel like I remember it but um what what was the reason your parents came to Australia what was why did they move bit of a lifestyle choice dad backpacked around Australia. Back in 1985 um so he did work and travel um he assembled headers for class in Albury and then traveled all around Australia He bought a uh, Kingswood station wagon and um went all around and I think yeah he just loved the lifestyle loved the weather and went back to Germany took over our farm there and um he met my mum just before he came to Australia like he was already planning to come and then obviously came home got married settled down and then In 2007, his job got new management and I think he just had a bit of a a midlife crisis and wanted to move. And like my brother and I were at a really good age to sort of learn English and start fresh. So, yeah. That's awesome. Lifestyle choice.
1: Tell me about the the decision to study agriculture and and make it a career choice.
0: So I had a really great age teacher. I feel like this is a lot of um, uni students' reasons for I had a great ag teacher in school, we did like, even though all we had was sort of chooks and like a couple of potty calves at our little ag farm. In our theory lessons, we like discussed a lot of issues in ag, such as like mulesing, which I thought was super interesting, like pros and cons of it. Oh. Um, and I also just got very interested in food security and sustainable agriculture, you know, how we're going to produce enough food to feed all these people, but do it in a sustainable way. And then I still wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do after school, so I decided to have, have a gap year and I was quite keen on going up north and working on a station. So As, I joined it, as all you these, do,
1: as you do. Yeah, It's still the great wild frontier, the territory, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I joined all the station and farming job groups on Facebook um, and I saw this camel job pop up at Uluru Camel Tours and it said, you know, you've got to have horse experience. And, and um, you know, Yolara, the resort at Uluru, I thought, Oh, that would be quite good. You know, there's a lot of other young people around. Um, it's not as ice iso- like it is still isolated, but you're you're in that community. So yeah, I just applied and got the job, and absolutely loved it. Um, unfortunately, that was 2020, so at the start of 2020, and when COVID hit, everything shut down. So um, I was only there for about a month. But I went, I did go back in November for a couple of months before I started uni. But I think leaving there and going back home and working a couple of different jobs, like hospitality, like I didn't really enjoy it. And I thought, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to go to uni. And, yeah, working with the camels sort of made me think, wow, we've got, you know, I was telling these tourists every day, we've got over a million feral camels in Australia and they're a pest, they're getting culled, but they're so perfect for the desert. They've got all these adaptations and, yeah, I could relate it back to goats as well. You know, feral goats in Western New South Wales used to be the same. They were a pest. Everyone was chasing wool and now they're a huge export commodity. So, yeah, still interested in food security and decided to study ag.
1: And I, just before we move into that a little bit more seriously, my understanding of riding camels is that, I, that it's nothing like riding a horse. So can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that first experience yeah. of getting on a camel?
0: No, I loved it. Yeah. Um, definitely very different you obviously get on the camel sitting down and then they they get up which is like the funnest thing ever um having them sort of they they stick their back legs up and then the front and it's like a bit of a roller coaster um I got to do some camel racing there as well which is awesome so much fun the differences are between a horse and a camel so camels are ruminants so they chew their cud so you can't put a bit in their mouth like a horse they've got a thing called a nose peg instead. So i have got like a piercing through their nostril, which is a bit of a sensitive spot. And then you've got the reins coming off that. So that's how you steer them. Right. Um, but there's only a couple of camels there, only the lead camels. You could actually sort of ride like horse. The rest were just strung together. So behind each other, following along. And then with the racing, so I think with camel racing, you don't have any control of their head. So, you don't actually have any reins. They just, there's someone that's your handler that leads you up to the start line and then lets you go because. Well, that's I terrifying. Think, yeah, I think because people drop the reins and they get tangled, so it's more dangerous. And the camels just race around the track and then all get caught in a little yard at the end.
1: Okay. Great. So it's just, you know, it is relatively still controlled. I just had this awful yeah. image of just everyone, you know, cantering off yeah. into the wilderness, <laughs> yeah. um, which, which to me would be um, quite daunting. But going yeah. back to, you know, the potential of that industry, it is becoming a little bit more developed in Australia. Like you do mm-hmm. see the, you know, some uh, camel dairies pop up and yeah. soaps and, and various, yeah. you know, dairy products. The meat industry there's a lot of potential mm. there. And and you've done some research into that, haven't you?
0: Oh, I would call it proper research. I've just basically read every article <laughs> I can find. Um, but, yeah, I think to me that makes the most sense, but it obviously hasn't worked in the part. I think it's too. it must be too expensive to be trucking these camels, you know, in the middle of nowhere, getting them to an abattoir is obviously not worth it at the moment, <clears throat> the logistics of it. Um, whereas the dairies, there's more of a market there with the milk. I'm not sure. And they're all closer sort of to the coast. But to me, like, yeah, the milk industry is such an ethical – it's marketed as such an ethical product. It's super expensive. It's got all these health properties. The calves have to be left on the cows for them to actually give milk. Like they're v- a very emotionally sensitive animal in that way as well. They just won't give any milk if they don't have their calf on them. Oh, wow. So Wow. Really? Yeah, and obviously like don't. That. Yeah, and don't give as much milk as a like. They'll give two to five liters a day, whereas a, you know a dairy cow will give forty liters or something like that. Wow! So, so you really yeah, do about, cry
1: over spilt milk with camels, then?
0: Yeah, about twenty dollars a liter for camel milk, and obviously a very niche, small huh. industry.
1: At the moment, Australia's exporting. I think our biggest camel meat export is to the Moroccan army.
0: That's what I've always thought um so yeah muslim population but yeah out of the over a million camel i think it's like five thousand or something that we process a year there's only one abattoir in south australia that actually processes camel meat Mm. so that makes it hard as well
1: it's not just camels that you've sparked an interest in there are a few other emerging industries such as insects industrial hemp and native bees so do you have a favorite out of this or is it just they're all equally as fascinating to you
0: um I'd say camels are still my favorite the <laughs> others <laughs> the others um industrial hemp I think for me I see a lot of potential in that like in the future sustainability reasons it has so many uses like the fiber textiles in hempcrete you can you know insulation it's like such a strong like it's like rope, people's people that are trying to commercially farm it like it gets wrapped around your head like a rope. So and obviously yeah, a natural natural fiber that I think can replace a lot of our even the seed can be used for like oil paints, varnishes.
1: So what's what's the current state of play in Australia? What are you what what have you been involved in with, with that particular
0: crop? Yeah. So I've got a Horizon scholarship from AgriFutures and I'm being sponsored by their Emerging Industries program. So as part of that, I've done a placement with some industrial hemp variety trials, and they're in a few different locations for the 2021-22, and I think they're doing another. I think it's a three-year program, but I'm not quite sure. And I went to a site in Hamilton in Victor- southwest Victoria. So they had a few dual-purpose varieties, but mostly for seed. And I was only there for a week, so not too long. But I there was the field. They had a field day on the week I was there and was also just doing some phenology stuff and then at the end actually got to hand harvest some of their first varieties and crush and start to process some of the seed as well. So it was really cool.
1: How developed, like I realise it's an emerging industry, but yeah. how
0: developed is that particular? Uh, yeah, not very. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so just hard. I think the people that are trying to do it have to be so, So this is what I love about the emerging industry. Everyone everyone that is trying these emerging things, like, it's such a risk and they just are so, so passionate about it to be taking the risk. So, like, I think only recently all the states in Australia have actually made their THC value that that if you're growing hemp, it has to be under a, under a certain level of THC. Only just have all the states made it the same. Mm. Like, before that, there were even differences between the different states a big issue that arose at the field there was a lot of people were very interested in being able to graze their hemp crops, especially if something goes wrong with it and you can't harvest it to at least be able to graze it. But that's not allowed at the moment, just in case.
1: There are high levels. It
0: trans- yeah, it transfers to the meat and things like that.
1: Okay, so there's still a fair bit of research and investigation definitely. to be done there. Yeah, definitely. That's exciting, though. Like, as you say, yeah. the people that take these projects or industries on do, do have a lot of imagination and don't mind a bit of risk.
0: What, yeah. like
1: Do you relate to that? Like, is that kind of inbuilt in your personality as well?
0: I suppose. <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. But yeah, I've never been asked that. I'm not sure. I love learning about it all. I don't know if I could actually do it though you know take a risk and uh,
1: as long as it's someone else's checkbook you're fine yeah uh, <laughs> um tell me about uh native bees um yeah I'm particularly fascinated because I've got a swarm that's currently living on my veranda um yeah so, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah I don't know what to do with them though they're just <laughs> on the veranda
0: <laughs> yeah so that was another place when was part of the horizon scholarship so I did it with um hive Haven. On the Sunshine Coast and they have made a special beehive for native bees and yeah it was really interesting I'd never heard of native bees before especially because I'm from down south they love the warmth so they only leave their hive when it's about 18 degrees um and they've got a hive at Parliament House that gets moved to Sydney every year during winter and so didn- they don't die really yeah oh
1: well, that's amazing. What's the per- like? It sounds really um, yeah. stupid, I guess. But um, what what are the purpose of native bees? So why yeah. why are we why are we um trying
0: to harness yeah. them? So they're stingless and they're really good for pollination. They're very efficient pollinators for native plants, especially. But they only will fly about five hundred meters from their hive, whereas European bees will go about two ks. So. If you're, you know, trying to um, pollinate an orchard or something, I've um, got to go to a lychee orchard. Yeah, they're very efficient pollinators, you know, if you want them to pollinate in that smaller space. And also being stingless, there's actually, you know, a lot of schools, daycares, hospitals that want a native beehive, like sort of as therapy bees for people. People love watching the bees come and go and because they're stingless. Yeah, they don't give a lot of honey. There is, a, I think, you know, they give a tiny bit of honey compared to European bees, so that's not as big. But yeah, I'd say pollination and even that sort of therapy market, I don't know if you can call it a market, but yeah, like was just selling them to, to people with a garden with lots of native plants.
1: You're also... Looking into uh, the insect as a, as a protein source. or So what's the state of play uh, with
0: Australia with that? Definitely not for eating at the moment. I think the market's more at that converting food waste to organic fertiliser with, with insects and also pet treats and pet food. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So, yeah, I don't think, yeah.
1: What kind of work have you seen done in that
0: area at the moment? I'm doing a placement with a company called Bardi and they're in Melbourne and they basically collect food waste from all around the city and process it a little bit like into like they crush it all up um, and then feed it to black soldier fly larvae, which then convert it or their poo is then the organic fertiliser that they sell. You can find that at Bunnings at the moment. It's called Superfly um and they also think that the insects themselves are sort of like you know dried and they i think they just sell it in bulk to pet food brands like mars and things like that that will make it into pet food and they're playing around with yeah making pet treats and things like that
1: so that like as a protein source so so, sorry yeah the actual Insects themselves have yeah. been broken down. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So the fertiliser is just their castings and some exoskeletons. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the protein is the larvae themselves and it's just such a quick turnaround. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah, they, they grow, you know, in seven days. That's their turnaround. Seven days? Yeah.
1: What kind of scale do you think that that would has the potential to, to be developed into?
0: Um, massive massive and I think especially with the food waste like you know the whole circular economy farmers being able to use the fertilizer you know on their veggies I think it's mainly horticulture at the moment like the high value sort of horticulture and then it you know going back to the shops being used in restaurants and then the food waste then going back and being you know utilized again instead of it all going to landfill so I think and yeah even people, you know, with a small veggie garden or house plants, you know, people that are environmentally very conscious, yeah, yeah, definitely a market
1: That's That's amazing. I just love the fact that people have thought about it and, you know, as you say, take on enough <laughs> enough risk that they want mm. to actually try it out. This, you know, you had this exposure to these fascinating industries through the Futures Horizons program.
0: What made
1: you want to put your hand up for
0: that? I sort of only heard about agri-futures in my first year of uni and I just jumped on their website and I just thought it was so cool, like camel milk is an emerging industry, so I just read a bit about, you know, read a few publications and then found out about other emerging industries. So that's why... agri-futures, like I'd sort of heard of them. And then, of course, when the scholarship came up and I was eligible, I was like, oh, I've got to apply. So, yeah, that's what made me want to do it, especially for that, because I knew they did so much work and I just thought the contacts, like the the networking from it would be an amazing opportunity.
1: Well, yeah, and I think, you know, you've spoken about that exposure to the different industries, which is fascinating in itself. And you just touched on the network then, but what are the benefits come from that kind of scholarship program? Like are you, what are, what are you doing within the program or the scholarship yep.
0: that? Um... So every year there's uh, the Futures Summit. Summit, So it's a one week long or for the Horizon Scholars. It's like a workshop week. Um, last year it was in Aubrey and we got to do some field trips as well. So we got to visit New Edge Microbials, Beechworth Honey, so that's European bees, but it was still really, really interesting and V2 Food, and they make plant-based meat. So it was super interesting, a little bit controversial, there were a few beef producers there, but yeah, just connecting with all the other Horizon scholars, hearing their experiences. We also got to listen to the Rural Women's Award, um, their their speeches that were that they were going to present in Canberra, um, and then also. Agri Futures just offers to send us to different conferences and things as well. Like they say, well, these are, these are some of the conferences coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I've been to Evoke Ag in Adelaide. I went to the Digital Agri Food Summit, and then in May, I'm going to the Northern Food Futures Conference. It's awesome, and yeah, any they obviously you get a bursary five thousand dollars for the each year for two years that you're in the program, and then. They also, you know, pay for your placements, reimburse you for fuel, or pay for your flights. One girl I was talking to you last year, she went to Ireland for her placement. Wow. So yeah, it's basically just think big. Whatever you want to do, they'll like basically make it happen. It's really really good. The world is your oyster.
1: So when you, because you're studying a Bachelor of Agriculture, and when you first, you know, were successful in getting the the scholarship, has has it changed the way that you're thinking about your career? Like, have you diverged much from your original plan?
0: Uh, definitely. I think my original plan was more more thinking about sustainable agriculture and sort of advising farmers, you know, how to be more sustainable in their practices and things like that. Now there's definitely more of a focus on extension in the emerging industries. I think that would, I'd really like that to be my career sort of, getting to dabble in all the different emerging industries, trying to connect people that are that are doing uh, or trying to do the same sort of things, trying to farm these new things. Yeah, working out where research is needed and where we, sh- you know, should be putting funds into. That's definitely more my focus now through the program, definitely.
1: And I really liked the, you just mentioned before, part of part of what you got out of the scholarship program is some of the exposure to different industries, but also different ideas. And and being challenged like you were talking used the example of the um meat alternatives and beef producers mm. in the same room and i think part yeah. of that development is being able to to hear other people's ideas exactly. and yeah. and talk about them in a in an educated calm fashion so yeah 100% you know, have you seen that within your peers too that real development of of yeah.
0: ideas yeah especially that week at the summit like some of the Like we reflected a lot and, um, you know, on our lives and what sort of brought us to this point. And I think everyone just got so, so much out of it through, yeah, through the program, through placements, definitely so much development. And
1: what would you say to someone that was thinking about putting their hat in the ring for for a Horizon Scholarship?
0: (laughs) Just do it. Like I can't recommend it enough, you know, just try. It's honestly application is yeah I don't know it's just a no-brainer why, <laughs> why wouldn't you do it so if you're eligible yeah
1: you're halfway through your degree is that about right or nearly um, finished? I'm in
0: my last year now so okay so yeah. you're in the,
1: the last year of your university degree yeah. where are you going like what's what what jobs are you going to be applying for
0: uh there's two sort of options in a way I would like to sort of just maybe go work on a farm for a little bit and get some more sort of practical hands-on experience.
1: And when you say farm is this, a, is this an alternative farm or is this a mainstream cropping? Or I think cattle? either
0: I think either would be good I've been sort of browsing jobs you know there's one that came up for like an organic regenerative farm which I think would be super interesting see those sort of challenges as well but I also wouldn't mind just you know, seeing mainstream because then that also gives you heaps of, you know, makes you learn about, you know, how those things are done, how you could possibly do it differently or, yeah, I honestly don't mind. or, Or I would like to, yeah, go into that extension space, but I think I would just sort of, you know, apply for both of those sort of jobs and just see what comes, like, yeah, extension, whether it's, you know, like government or yeah, something like local land services in New South Wales or catchment management authority or something like that would be great too. I've done like a voluntary placement with them and it's awesome. Like I feel like they just get to go to field days um, and things like that. So you're always yeah, Not too sure, and I'd love to do some traveling as well. So I'm not sure whether you know. I'd love to see agriculture overseas. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't know where I'd want it like. Everything interests me, like whether it's Southeast Asia or Europe or or Northern Mar- America. Like maybe going going and working on farm overseas would be great as well.
1: Well, it sounds like you just have uh, are going to have an amazing time with whatever you're doing. But for the moment, thank you very much for your time today, Maz. Um, and it's been an absolute delight to talk to you on the Agri Futures podcast.
0: No, thank you very much. been listening to agri futures on air a podcast brought to you by agri futures australia for full access to a huge backlog of stories on australia's agricultural trends and innovations research outcomes inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries please subscribe to agri futures on air on your favorite podcasting app you can also find more information at our website agrifutures.com what are you?